Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Kezia Noble. Kezia is a UK-based dating and pickup coach and the world's leading female dating expert for men. She's also the author of two books, including the best-selling The Noble Art of Seducing Women, My Foolproof Guide to Pulling Any Woman You Want, available on Amazon and bookstores around the world. Kezia, I'm very excited to have you on the show. I can't think of a better person in the world to give our listeners insights into the female mind, especially when it comes to dating pickup. I know women often say they want a man who's confident. If a man doesn't feel naturally confident around women, how does he become that man? When they say that they want confidence, what does that actually mean? I mean, most guys that I meet are confident. They have an area of their life that they're confident in, which means that they are a confident person. But unfortunately, talking to women is not something that you learn at school. It's not something you can take in an exam. So if you think about it, like when we start driving, um, at first we're really, really nervous. We're not very sure what to do. And it's only when we get a lot of practice and we learn how to read the road and how to operate a vehicle that we start to become confident. So a lot of men, they, they start off on a, on a really, really negative note and they'll say, I'm just not confident. I'm just not confident, so I can't do this. But that's limiting yourself. You just don't understand or you haven't excelled in a certain skill yet. There's a big difference there. So back to your question, I just wanted to clear that one up. Back to your question, women want a confident men. What is confidence? Well, for me, I think it's easier... Um, to say strength. Women are looking for strength, okay? So what does strength mean in this day and age? Well, a long time ago, it meant just being the alpha of the group, which meant being the strongest, being the loudest. But now things have changed. We've evolved since then. It's about having strength in your personality and in your intention of what you want from the woman and the direction that you're generally going. It could be the direction in life in general or it could be the direction of the interaction. If you're very sure of that and you're very unapologetic for who you are and where you're coming from and what you want, this will translate as strength and this will translate as confidence. Um, I'm a big fan of unapologetic truth or unapologetic vulnerability, some people call it. And I think that when men can master this art of unapologetic vulnerability, unapologetic truth, they see a reaction in the woman which almost fuels their sense of confidence. You said something like an interesting phrase. You said unapologetic unapologetic vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Can you define what that what that means to you? Okay, so there's unapologetic truth and unapologetic vulnerability. So unapologetic vulnerability is slightly more advanced, slightly more advanced. I want to stick with unapologetic truth to begin with. So if someone tries to question you or ask your opinion on something, a lot of guys, um, when they're in that situation of talking to a beautiful woman, might think, oh, I have to explain myself maybe, or I don't have the strength to voice my opinion or the strength to show her my intention or how I feel about this woman right now at this precise moment. So I know what I'll do. I'll go into Mr. Nice Guy mode. I'll be Mr. Nice Guy for the next half an hour. And therefore, I'm not going to provoke her at all or create any reaction in the girl. 
But if you have unapologetic truth, you say, this is my opinion, this is how I feel, as a statement, not someone that's looking for recognition or to tick a box, that can translate as something very, very confident and quite rare. Um, then you have unapologetic vulnerability. So a lot of guys, they'll say, um, you know, you've got to just show a very one-dimensional character. You've got to become very alpha, very super, super strong. However, one-dimensional characters are not attractive. You know, there's guys out there that say they really love a bitch. They love a really difficult uh, drama queen, high-maintenance, bitchy type of girl. But the thing is, they're not, what they're not revealing to you is that they like that kind of girl because she's always got another side to her that only they can see, only they can extract, which makes her so desirable. She's usually quite vulnerable, insecure. And that, can, that contrast can be very, very sexy. And men can actually copy-paste this same uh, technique. So by showing unapologetic vulnerability, that you're showing her weakness, but not a weakness to say, I need help, please help me. It's unapologetic, remember, it's saying, this is me, this is the other side to me. And someone that was, um, a, you know, had Premier League, um, had this down to a Premier League level, was Frank Sinatra, because it's, it's a very funny saying. Uh, a woman once said about him that she doesn't know whether to mother him or fuck him. And um, that is a very, very advanced technique when you're showing the woman that you're very, very alpha, you're very strong, but at the same time, you've got this gentle side to you that maybe, maybe you don't want the whole world to see right now. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And the example of Frank Sinatra is a good one. I, but one thing I think that for the listeners who are, who are kind of listening to this podcast, I think... Is there like a specific example where you could show that would demonstrate what this is? Because I can imagine somebody saying that about someone like Frank Sinatra, for example. But what is it about him that creates this emotional contrast? Um, okay. Well, we have to then explore the bad guy, the good guy, and the nice guy a little bit here. I just want to touch on it because it might add some more clarity to what I'm saying. Um, a lot of people say to me, why, why do women go for bad guys? And believe me, I've had my share. But I'm one of those people that doesn't just go the flow. I like to sit back. I like to analyze, psychoanalyze it to death so that I can show guys, this is my job, so I can show guys, look, this is the secret. This is why women like bad guys. It's not because of danger or anything like that. It's, it's actually a lot more detailed. A bad guy who's very, very good at getting women, he will come across as somebody who's quite cold, quite aloof, quite hard to cat catch, quite hard to become emotionally connected with. But what he will do is he'll show glimpses of the good guy, he'll show glimpses of weakness, but mere glimpses, and then he'll push the woman out again. So it's an advanced form of push-pull. And that's why you see highly educated professional women chasing guys who are no good for them, because he presents a challenge, a purpose, and a role for the woman. She wants to be the one that, you know, she's seen a glimpse, he's hooked her in, she's seen a glimpse of this, this, soft uh, side to him, this, this uh, childlike side to him. And it's, it's very powerful and it can draw people in because it becomes almost, um, the challenge is to just extract that side from him, that more authentic side from him. Um, and he's constantly playing between these two roles. So if you take a, a, a guy who's one-dimensionally bad, uh, someone who's just uh, nasty, horrible, through and through. You know, he has 
no redeeming qualities at all. Actually, those guys don't really attract women. It's the ones that know how to play it. So they might, specific example, um, I had an ex-boyfriend. Um, he was, you know, he was a kind of gangster. So he was just that typical bad boy kind of persona. And um, it was only when we were on our own, he'd start telling me stuff about how he missed his mother because his mother died. And he, he didn't say, oh, please help me, Kezia. I don't know what to do. I can't cope. That's neediness. He didn't do that. He would just show a very vulnerable side. And as soon as I started getting close to him, he'd push me out. And I realized that what he was doing, whether intentionally or unintentionally, was creating a cycle. And this cycle becomes extremely addictive. Um, and I would say that that's, that's probably a clear example of what I mean by showing unapologetic vulnerability. You're not sorry for that. You're not sorry for how you feel. But it is there. The vulnerability is there and it's intoxicating. I can see what you're saying. And, and one of the things that I'm not quite clear on is, is this something that you're, you're advocating that, that the guys who are listening, this is something that they need to do or need to have. Um, and, and if so, cause I'm not clear about that part. And if so, what, like how, how does somebody develop these two dimensions of their personality? Well, people, first of all, are multidimensional. There's nobody I know really that's one-dimensional. It's very, very rare. Um, but what happens is when they talk to women, they present themselves as one-dimensional. This is very, very common, and it's an extremely critical error that guys make. They will be like, as we, we say in, in England, we have a saying, a one-trick pony. It means when you've only got one trick and that's it. So what they'll do is they'll either come across as like the comedian and it will just be the comedian all night long, just telling the jokes, the guy that tells the jokes. It might be the guy who's just a bastard to women. It might be the nice guy. Okay. But they'll just demonstrate this one side of their character. It might not even be part of their character. It might be just, and it usually is just some sort of a, a, a kind of mask that they wear. If you can, if you feel that you're the guy who is kind of a bad guy, you know, you don't really give a fuck about women and, you know, you do just want to have sex. Well, do it properly. Do it properly and show her a more sensitive side, unapologetic vulnerability now and again. And you will capture her. You will have her eating out of the palm of your hand if you do this. If you just show her that you're just an arsehole and you don't want any commitment or anything and you don't give her that, that um, how can you put it, that, that ray of light, you could say, that bait, then she's just going to look at you as one dimensional and it doesn't create a chase at all. So am I advocating it? Yeah. I, I'm no, I'm, um, I, I would encourage people to do it if they, um, if they feel that they are this bad guy that still doesn't get many women. If you're the good guy, you have to show glimpses of the bad guy. Quite simply. I had a, a boyfriend who, he was a great guy, wonderful, sweet, kind, romantic, treated women beautifully. Um, and I've been out of other guys like that, but not slept with them. So why did I sleep with this particular guy? Because we were having dinner and I remember he leaned over and he said to me, he looked me in the eyes and he said to me, I want to get you on all fours. And then he changed the subject. So he showed the element of the bad guy, what we're used to, very, very sexual, very highly sexual, sexually direct. So it's showing glimpses of the bad guy if you're the good guy and the good guy if you're the bad guy. I hope that makes more sense. 
No, I think it does provide some clarity. Something you just kind of mentioned and you mentioned earlier uh, was this idea around sexual intent. So if you're if a man's out there and he wants to show kind of sexual intent to a woman, how, how should he do that? Okay, so you've got the verbal and nonverbal form of communication. Uh, if you're comfortable in being very verbal, some guy, most guys find it more difficult to verbalize their intention. They find it difficult to actually go and say to a girl, you know, your legs are incredible or, you know, uh, something quite highly sexual. They'll find that a lot more difficult because once it's out there, it's out there. So they prefer to use more non-verbal dialogue, like changing the pattern of their eyes, changing the rhythm of their voice and um, the, the volume of their voice also. Um, it, it depends on your character. If you're quite... Uh, see, I don't. I, I, I work with people based on, on their characters. I don't try and change people. I just try and rebrand them and market them a lot better. So if you're an extroverted person and you're the life and soul of the party and everybody is you know, always, you know, in your sort of, in your shadow, um, then you turning around and being quite sexual to a woman is going to be quite congruent with your personality. It's not going to freak her out so much. But if you're a very, very quiet person and you've become, you've come across really shy the whole evening then suddenly you say something sexual, it is going to look a bit incongruent. So they can use the power of the nonverbal a lot more easily than an extrovert. So things like prolonged eye contact, or as you said, uh, when you're in a conversation with a woman, lowering your, your voice and, and slowing down your cadence. Exactly. I mean, I teach uh, sexual escalation, and um, I teach something called the upside-down triangle, where you trace, uh, like, from with your eyes, um, from one eye to, an, to the other eye to the mouth and back up to the eye you started with, which creates an upside-down triangle. And I teach guys how to do that, which creates a very hairline shift in the energy between, uh, between the, the two people. And it works on a very subconscious level. The woman's not aware of what's going on consciously. She's not like, hey, what, what are you doing? She's actually just realizing on a subconscious level that there is a shift that something is escalating. It's not as platonic as it was 30 seconds ago, but on a very, very um, subconscious level. I think most guys prefer that. Most guys prefer this technique, but I prefer verbal. I prefer verbalizing. I think that's much more fun. <laughs> okay. Can, can you give me an ex Well, there's two things I, I think about. One is um, this idea of this upside down triangle. Do you do you feel like men need to be in a certain proximity to the woman in order to make this work, or can, is it can it be some? Is it something that they could do from across the room? No, they can't do that from across the room. Um, you do have to be quite close to the woman. That's a good question, by the way. I haven't been asked that, and um, yeah, I just I just know it. You can't see somebody from that far. You can't see what their eyes are doing at all. But um, you can look at the woman, and you can look her up and down very very quickly with your eyes. Um, but yeah, to use the upside down triangle, you would have to be in close proximity. Okay. And would you say probably, I would assume within arm's length, maybe? Uh, arm's length is fine. Yes. Um, so something else you talked about was kind of verbalizing. You, you said, uh, a comment about having incredible legs and, uh, what are maybe three or four different other comments that guys could use if they're not really sure how do you communicate? Uh, there's, how do you communicate your sexuality or sexual intent verbally? Sure. Okay. Well, we're going into um, 
section about compliments, I'd say right now. Compliments are very, very important. Most people give vague compliments and then expect the girl to be aroused. It's not going to happen. To say to a girl, you have lovely eyes, you have nice hair, you have nice skin, it's not going to arouse her. And it's actually not showing your sexual intent. What you're saying, to, when you say you have nice hair and nice eyes, is, is you're saying to her, I'm a nice guy, I'm not going to be too sexual with you, I'm going to say the same shit that everyone else says to you, and I will be your gay best friend if you let me. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say to guys, okay, if you want to start off with a compliment, give her something unique. Okay, It doesn't have to be sexual, it has to be unique, and it's got to be something that she has worked on. So a lot of people say I have nice eyes, and between you and me, I do have nice eyes. I have very, very, very big green eyes, which is considered quite attractive. However, um, only a few guys notice how I'm actually a professional makeup artist. Um, I learned it myself. I don't have any qualifications on that, but I have been asked by Mac and all these big companies to train their girls they're just in the street they always come up to me women notice it obviously but I've only had a few men say you know what you've got beautiful eyes but I like the way that you've done this with your makeup most women haven't got a clue how to make their face up um and that's a good start because what it does is it shows the girl that you have an eye for detail and you know what you like on a micro level so that's a good place to start and it does it, it's you're validating her when you say you've got nice eyes you're not validating her you're saying what well, you're genetically blessed that's not validating someone you're saying when you say i like this because most girls don't do this a you are showing her that you appreciate what she's done to look better but b you're saying yeah you've ticked my box you're making a comparison from other girls it already puts you in a higher position Okay, there's validation and there's complimenting for the sake of complimenting. So that's the first thing that you can do. Pick up something about makeup or the way she's toned or what she's wearing. The other one you can do is double-sided compliment. Now, this is a little bit more edgy. I like this one very, very much. Um, it works on more insecure women, I would say, than secure women, but most people are insecure. So it, it generally has a pretty high success rate. If you say to a woman, you know, you look nice, you give her a very vague compliment, okay? Now, I just said don't give a vague compliment, but this is a two-part compliment, this one. So you start off, you give her a vague compliment, like you look nice or your shoes look nice or I like what you're, you're, what you're wearing is cute. And what this does is cushions the blow that you're going to, you're going to um, give to her. <laughs> and you say to her, but if you were wearing, and then you pick something detailed, I would really make a move on you or I would really you know, want to sleep with you. Oh, this is really, really sophisticated, this, um, this, this strategy. It works on a few levels. So if you say to somebody, um, you just criticize them and say, oh, you should wear these shoes, they'd look better on you. Um, immediately, they're going to have a negative reaction. But if you've already given them a compliment and made sure it's vague, then you've already cushioned the blow. So that's the first thing. So you look nice, but but if you were wearing like these kind of shoes, I'd make a move on you. So then you're saying, secondly, that you know exactly what you want and you pick something quite sexual usually for this part. And I'll go through that in a second. And the third thing is you're bringing sex into the conversation. Okay, you're bringing it into the conversation. 
So this is working on um, anchoring NLP, um, but you're not referring it to her. You're saying, you're pretty, but I don't want to fuck you. And that can drive a woman crazy in a good way. You have to, guys, you have to get used to getting reactions out of women. Because when you've got an emotional reaction, remember you can, that's a good sign because that means you can morph that emotion into something more sexual. It's easier to do that than with someone that has absolutely no emotional reaction to you whatsoever. So in terms of what kind of criticism do you give her or suggestion, as I prefer to call it, um, something about shoes is a good one. Um, I say to my students, look, you know, what kind of shoes you'd like to see women in? And they're really big, they go, oh, high heels. I'm like, okay, when I have a boot camp, I say, come on, put up your hands, guys. Who likes those stripper heels? You know the ones I'm talking about, the, the big glass, tacky uh, stripper heels? And, you know, some of them are really apologetic for this. They're like, oh, I kind of like it. I'm like, listen, you can be a king, you can be a prince, you can be the most sophisticated man in the world, and you can like really trashy underwear on women. You can like really trashy, sexy prostitute shoes on women. That's your thing. And she will love that, that you're unapologetic for that. But why don't you say that to her? Why don't you say, you know what? You, you look good. Your shoes look practical. But if you're wearing those really tacky, dirty stripper heels, wow, I'd be all over you right now. That's sexy. You're really introducing sex into the conversation without saying, I want to fuck you. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website, Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. Kezi, I want you to know that a lot of things that you're saying make a ton of sense to me. We've moved a lot into the subject of sex, and I know that's important to the listeners because a lot of the guys who are listening to this either want to have more sex or they want to become more effective at communicating their sexuality. With that said, I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about something else that you also have a lot of expertise in, and that's approaching women. When a guy's out and he sees a woman that he's attracted to, that he wants to talk to, how does he know that she's in the right frame of mind to be approached? I've been in the right frame of mind to be approached, and I've been in, I wouldn't use this expression, but the wrong frame of mind and I've been approached, and it's worked. Um, most guys will talk to the girl who's smiling, who looks happy. I think, well, you're limiting yourself. If she's smiley and happy and has all these kind of very positive emotions beaming from her, don't you think other guys have already clocked onto that? Other guys have already tried to speak to her? That's the girl that gets spoken to the most in a nightclub is not the most beautiful girl. 
It's the most friendly looking girl. Even if she's a little bit fat, even if she's not very pretty, she'll get hit on because, and you, if, if you, if you want to admit this, you can, but you know that that's the person that most guys are going to go towards. They're going to go drawn to the one because she looks the easiest because she's smiling. So you have to think, well, she's already used to guys coming up to her. She's already got rid of them at some point in the night. You know, it's, it's not a big deal for her. She's not going to put as much effort in because she's already had lots of guys speak to her. Um, you can speak to that girl if you're super attracted to her and you like those kind of girls, that's fine. Um, is she in the right frame of mind? She's positive. She'll speak to you for maybe a bit, but she doesn't mean she's sexually horny. She's not going to, it doesn't mean she's turned on just because she's in a good mood. You can get the girl who's really angry and she looks really pissed off and bitter and, and believe it or not, you can have great sex the same night with that woman if you know how to do it which i'm sure is going to be your next question how to talk to that girl <laughs> yeah i think that you've made a perfect transition for me okay so i call this negative attraction <laughs> <laughs> how does that work is that's an oxymoron isn't it <laughs> a negative negative attraction so um when you see a girl whether she's beautiful or not uh, and she looks really like pissed off and angry and hates the whole world what most guys will do if they're brave enough is they'll go up to her and they'll go what's wrong <laughs> they say what's wrong or um you know why are you not enjoying yourself why don't you come and dance and feel better and what she'll do is she'll just say fuck off she'll say that to him because she's obviously pissed off about something and you're coming along and, you know, she doesn't know who you are. You're not really suggesting a proper solution to her. You know, you're just saying the same old shit that everyone else says. You're what's wrong, what's wrong. But actually the guy that sits down and says, isn't this place really shit? She's going to be like, yeah, it is, because he's speaking her language. Before, the other guy is all positive and he's beaming and he's really happy and he's on cloud nine. He's not speaking her language. But the guy who comes along... And although he's, he's saying negative stuff, he, he, he has a positive frame of mind. That's interesting. His energy is positive. But he's saying to her, this place is shit. And she immediately says, yes, this place is shit. And then he starts criticizing everyone. Look at that person. How do they let that person in? And, and this is what she wants. She wants to get it all out of her system. Like, yeah, how could they let that person in? And then she starts talking about, you know, why she's pissed off. She's much more open because here's someone coming along and he speaks her language. And actually what's really funny because I've told my, my clients to do this a lot is um, the girl is actually the one who starts becoming more positive and starts saying to him, oh, it's not that bad, actually, is it? And she, she says, you know, she starts looking at the positive elements of the situation. And that's called negative attraction. That's how it works, because you're speaking that person's language. I, I know I teach, I teach very advanced stuff. I can teach, I can share more basic things if you would like, but I just find the advanced stuff is much more fun and uh, more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think these are great points. I mean, it sounds like what you're talking about in this particular point is when you enter, when you approach a woman to pay attention to her energy, and basically as you approach her, how you approach her is gonna be based on her energy because you want to lead her emotionally. Yeah, I could take it one step further. Um, for me, game is essentially all about pattern breaking. Everything is pattern breaking. If you're not pattern breaking she's not going to invest any time in you. That's it. You have to get a woman's attention. That's the hardest part, is getting her full attention and full focus. If, she, if she's not present with you, you'll never seduce her. Forget it. No man has ever seduced a woman who's got 
other priorities or whose mind is on something else. It's not going to happen. So the only way you can do that is by breaking patterns and continuously breaking patterns throughout the interaction. Kezia, can you define pattern breaking for the listeners? Because I'm not sure some of the people who are listening to the podcast know what that means. Okay, fine. So I have a five-stage format. I call it the five-stage, sorry, five-phase format. And it goes impact, pattern breaking, connection, attraction, spikes, and the close. Now, pattern breaking, let's, uh, okay, so you go in with an opening line, okay? You say to the girl, hey, I noticed that you, you know, you have an accent, where are you from? Now, you've got her attention for a, a microsecond, okay? And she'll say maybe she's from, I don't know, let's just say Germany, okay? She says, I'm from Germany. Now, most people have a very classic response to whatever country it is. It's either I've been there or I haven't been there. <laughs> I've been there, I haven't been there. Or possibly they'll say, what brings you here? And the moment you do that is you fail to break a pattern. And the moment that happens, she goes into autopilot mode. And the moment she goes into autopilot mode, it's very, very hard to pull her out of that because autopilot mode means I'm thinking of a way to get out of this situation because I'm bored already. Um, so pattern breaking, for example, in this case would be, oh, you're from Germany, Tell me something amazing about Germany that would make other people want to go there. Or tell me three things that make your country the best country in the world. Something like that. So it's not being really weird, but it's asking an interesting question that provokes emotions because it is pattern breaking. She's not used to it. Now, the moment that somebody is presented a question that they didn't expect, a pattern breaker or a statement it could be or a reaction you'll notice that they look away. I don't mean they look away uncomfortably. They're looking away with their eyes to the, usually I think it's to the top left-hand corner, but I don't, don't, um, don't count on that. It could be the right one. Um, don't quote me on that, I mean. Um, and what, mean, what that means is that she's now thinking about her answer. And if she's thinking about her answer, it means that she's out of autopilot mode. And if she's out of autopilot mode, it means she's investing in you. It's extremely important because those fragile stages at the beginning is where most guys get rejected. It's not actually the bit where they start making a move on the woman. Most guys, the majority of men do not get to that point. It's usually the transition between the opener and a full-blown conversation. It's that transition period where they get blown out. And it's classically because they can't break patterns. And if they can't break patterns, they can't keep her attention and then she puts the guy into cold storage and whatever is her priority becomes even more magnified. I think there's some really interesting kind of ideas here. One of the first things I think about is kind of in sales, right? In my early 20s, I had a sales job. And if I approached somebody and I said, hey, can I help you? And they would always say, I'm just looking. Yeah. Right. And it's just kind of common uh, common fine. response. Yeah. You don't think about it. And so what I learned to do instead was say, um, hi, uh, my name is Chris and you are and person respond. And I'd say, are you looking for someone or something? And then they would tell me what they were looking for. If they were looking for someone, they would tell me, but it allowed me to immediately using kind of AB questions, lead the interaction. Right. And it did exactly what you were saying. It kind of essentially broke the pattern. And I, and I think that's, this is something that, I mean, I've been doing a lot of these podcasts and I think that's something ha- nobody's really mentioned. And it's a great, it's a great point is that we all have these kind of innate patterns that uh, we, we run throughout life. And a big part of attraction 
is is kind of being different, right? And if you you want you want to be different, otherwise you're forgettable. And well, I, I sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just think I mean I love that story you just told me about, about the sales because I I I, I love pattern breaking is everywhere. And I love to watch a good salesman. I adore it. I love to see what he's doing. I love, and you know, this is why I take my students to strip clubs, to table dancing clubs. I've done the same thing. (laughs) It's so good for for lots of reasons, okay? One is about metagame and and becoming very, very, um, becoming the most important person in the building. But that's separate. We're not talking about that right now. But the, the, the girls have a hard sales pitch. It's really, really good. And they know all the possible answers that the clients can give them. Um, and they always have a really good, witty, strong comeback line, which keeps the guy on the direction of spending money on them. So I always take my students there and I said, look at these women in action. You're going to break their pattern now. See if you can do it. And it's a really good exercise. But I remember, I mean, it's, it's, it's good for even if you have... Um, uh, you have to start defending yourself from bitch attacks. I had somebody the other day, and I used pattern breaker. I used a pattern breaker. It's a very subtle one. I mean, most people, if I told them this, they won't even think it's a pattern breaker. They'll just think it's a good response, but it's actually a pattern breaker. Um, I, I was having some banter with this um, guy, and um, we were making fun of each other. He's a friend, but then he said in front of everyone, like... Um, Oh, look at you, because I have a dress on and it's got a hole near the cleavage. It's like designed that way and it's, it's quite sexy. And he's like, oh, um, why, why are you wearing that top with the hole in it? You're trying to get attention. Are you, are you trying to get attention? And I looked at him and I said, well, of course I am. I have a hole in my top. Do you think <laughs> I'm not somebody who craves male attention? Now, again, that's putting unapologetic honesty, unapologetic truth and mixing it with a pattern breaker. There is no comeback line for that. The other person looks stupid. The other person looks awkward. So that was just an example that came back to my head about pattern breaking and what we talked about earlier, unapologetic truth. People can't hurt you. People can't hurt you. When you say to, like like a lot of girls, because I do, I dress very provocatively. And again, that's unapologetic truth. And a woman could say to me, oh, you know, you dress for male attention. I'm like, well, obviously... And they don't know what to do about it then. Well, what, what, what comeback line can you can you use? If you look at the film Eight Mile, if anyone's seen Perfect, it, Eight yeah. Mile, he he remember that last that last um, sort of rap battle he has with this other guy is he says I'll go first, and he just says my mum's an alcoholic, my dad left me, I'm poor, I'm this, I live in a trailer, over to you, and the guy can't say anything anything to him because he's been unapologetically truthful i have a friend of mine who says you should live the most most transparent life you possibly can yeah and i think that's just (laughs) it's a great way for guys out there who are nervous i mean really not just guys anybody out there who is kind of nervous they feel uncomfortable out in like any place in their life if you're transparent there's not really anything that people can do because so much of that power comes from the perception of judgment right (laughs) so they're worried that Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, people are worried, and all of us do this to a certain extent in different parts of our life. But you worry about the judgment of somebody in this case, or, or in this case, like with the guys listening, it might be an attractive woman, uh, it might be your boss, it might be um, somebody you're asking for money for uh, an investment in a in a business or something else. But they're worried about they're worried about judgment from this person, and so they don't take any action. They procrastinate. Uh, they isolate themselves. Uh, they resent people who actually take risks. And um, it's just such an, I think it's a very, very 
important point. And, and you kind of touched on it in a myriad of ways. Like you talked about it both from the perspective um, r- right now uh, that you're talking about, but also even earlier with the idea of kind of sexual intent, right? Being transparent with sexual intent. And, and as a consequence of that, um, you kind of build, you, you use it to build attraction or sexual tension. I mean, would you agree with that? Do you disagree? Do you have additional ideas or thoughts? No, I totally agree agree with this. And um, that's why I keep coming back to it because most of what I teach, most of my techniques and methods and skills are based on pattern breaking and unapologetic truth. They work hand in hand. Being unapologetically truthful, um, it, it, um, it, it, it is a pattern breaker. People don't expect it because most people that we meet, we can't remember who they are. Like, oh, you met that guy. Remember that guy? And like, or that girl? Because everyone's just being nice. Everyone's being very, very polite. Now, when I say be nice, it doesn't mean be rude to somebody. It doesn't mean be aggressive or insult someone. I'm not saying that. But being nice, I think most Mr. Nice Guys, most nice people are just liars. I mean, they're actually just quite dishonest because they're just um, putting on a mask and saying, feeding you shit that you want to hear and (laughs) hoping that you feed them the same level of shit. (laughs) <laughs> I, I love this. I mean, when I, as I was listening to you, because I mean, I do, I'm doing tons of these interviews and I'm hearing kind of everybody's perspectives. And, and I thought the idea of these ideas that you're talking about were a lot simpler. I mean, I was kind of writing my notes and I was like, okay, well, so what she's saying is you break rapport to create attraction and you mirror and kind of build rapport to, um, to create comfort. And those combination of those two things are kind of how you know when to push forward and pull back. Um, but you're, what you're talking about is actually even more subtle. Um, you're talking about something, a point that I, like we haven't discussed in any of the podcasts, and I think it's really, I think it's really important, and I'm 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 glad that you brought it up. Um, something else I think about, even this idea of being memorable, and just kind of different places that you see this in our society, and these might be a little bit more extreme, but you think about, I think uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about singers, for example, like Miley Cyrus, uh, this last year. Um, did a bunch of crazy shit. And I remember walking into uh, a restaurant in Union Square in New York City. And these people were talking, oh, I heard Miley Cyrus is pregnant. They're talking all this crap about her. And uh, and I started laughing. And they go, and they looked at me like as I got to the counter, they're like, why are you laughing? I'm like, I'm laughing because we, I'm almost certain what everything that you're saying is complete bullshit. And they're like, no, I, like, I just heard it. And I said, well, let's Google it. And I Googled it and it was bullshit. And I said, actually, she just has a brilliant... She's a brilliant artist and a brilliant has a brilliant PR team. What she's done is she's become relevant, mm-hmm. and she's never had a number one single. And she had a number one single I don't last week for the first time in her career. Although she's been very successful, but I also think of someone like Kanye or Jay Z. Um, these are people who maybe this is a little bit more extreme, but they're not scared to be themselves, and they're not scared to create ruffle some feathers to create controversy. And as a consequence of that, uh, they get attention. Yeah, the the thing is, you've got to, if you want to get attention, there's a saying, if you want to be remarkable, well, people are going to make remarks about you, remarkable remarks, okay? And you're going to have a lot of people that hate you, a lot of people that say things about you, saying, like, I can't, you know, I can't bear that person, or that person's so rude, they might say. But then you have to look at what you're getting from it. You have to look at the positives. So, you know, I, for instance, even in my career, I put myself out there. I put videos. One of the videos has had three million hits. Yeah, it's got a lot of nasty stuff written on it. Really, really, like, pornographic, nasty, nasty. Some some of it's spiteful. And most people I know said I could never do that, Kezia. I could never put myself out there. And 
they're the same people that are like my clients who go into a club or a bar and they think, um, as you said, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just uh, hope that maybe I end up talking to somebody. So they rely on luck. I don't like that. I don't like it all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something else, I, I mean, it's kind of an interesting transition. It's a little kind of off the path I was thinking. But going back to, um, to kind of you, I, I would describe you as a high-valued woman, right? In the sense that you're an attractive woman. Um, you understand this stuff. You're in the media, which brings a lot of, a lot of attention, right? Good and bad. Mm-hmm. How, how does a man, like a guy's out there listening, he, listening, he wants a high-valued woman. Most men want a high-valued woman. They want somebody that they can kind of brag about, that they can be proud to have on their arm, um, both physically, emotionally, psychologically. I mean, we, most of us want high-valued women. And so if there's a guy out there and he's, he wants to approach a high-valued woman, how is that, how is it different? Is it different? Can you give me your, your opinions or personal exp- experience on that? High value woman, um, it, that's quite generic. I mean, I mean a girl who's got competition. You're going after a woman who... Um, oh, no, you've got a beautiful woman yeah. and then you've got a successful woman. Okay. So what are we talking about here? Beautiful or successful or a beautiful successful woman? <laughs> I mean, I think I could be both. It's really a woman who has status, right? And so she, I'm, I'm thinking about a woman who has some sort of status in her society. And it could be just the girl in the club who's sitting there not talking to anybody and she's beautiful. For example, I have a bunch of friends of mine in New York City who um, kind of run the, the promoter scene and I go out with them, I hang out with them and you're sitting around with 16 supermodels. And so, like, it's, it's um, a but lot supermodel, of... But only supermodels can only talk about fashion. <laughs> <laughs> not all of them. I mean, I went to Columbia. I, and a lot of... <laughs> I, I do find them. I, I know a lot of supermodels also. And apart from the fact that they make me feel incredibly short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There might be some bitterness there. I just, <laughs> look, okay. Let me get back. Um, I'm, not, I'm not targeting supermodels. I, I'm, I'm, not, targeting, I'm not either, yeah. I'm targeting most women here. Most women are not business women, okay? They don't run a business. Most of them, it's a fact. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people don't like me saying this and we're living in a politically correct um, era. But the fact remains that most women do not run their own company. Most women that you're going to meet in a nightclub is, is going to be working for someone else. She's going to be into fashion. She's going to be a fashion designer or she's going to be uh, you know, an artist of some sort or a model or an actress, right? Let's face it. How many women have you met that run their own company? Please be completely honest with me here. Oh, you're asking me this? Yeah. I mean, how many women have you? Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a small percentage. It's a small percentage. Even in the start, startup scene, I, I don't know, 5% or something. Look, I go to nightclubs. I'm thinking, please, can I meet another woman who runs her own company yeah. so I've got something in common? So they don't. So first of all, you've got to take that into, into, into consideration. Is she that high status? Is she really that high status? She doesn't run her own company. Okay, so you're already breaking it down a little bit. Okay, but maybe she's really, really beautiful. Well, that's something completely separate. Because most very beautiful women don't really believe they're beautiful. They don't actually believe. It doesn't matter how many photographs they put of themselves up on Instagram. That's coming from a place of insecurity. All those half-naked pictures, that doesn't express confidence. That expresses, I need people to tell me I'm beautiful. I must have this uh, confirmation of my beauty. That's why they put it up there unless they are doing it to make money. That's something completely different. 
Um, so when you say high status, I have to be very, very particular here. I can't just give advice going, oh, yeah, that beautiful woman over there, she's high value. I have to look at the kind of person it is. If you want to um, see, if you want to attract a woman who's a, a, a very alpha businesswoman, that's a particular uh, skill set that wouldn't necessarily work on a girl who's beautiful but is studying fashion. Make sense? You answered the question. I mean, it was kind of a, a funny question, but um, I mean, what I was what I was thinking as I was asking it was essentially that with my experience with most of these women. And, and it might be, I mean, it might be Ivy League girls or um, girls who went to Oxford uh, or Cambridge in, in the UK. Um, I mean, I went to Columbia out here and dated some girls from who've gone to Harvard, Harvard Law. Uh, it might be models. It might, most women uh, that I've dated, even these women that um, most men think are high status, and you said it, um, they don't think of themselves as high status. No, they really and, don't. And, they, and they, they, go ahead. I'm just saying, a, a beautiful woman, most of them really don't know. I mean, you know, I get, I, I, have, I see so many people, they're like, oh, she's got like, you know, this many followers on Instagram and stuff. And she's constantly taking pictures of herself in her bikini and not making money out of it. I mean, that's different. If they're making money out of it, if it's Kim Kardashian doing it, I mean, she gets like $10,000 a tweet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's different. That's a businesswoman as far as I'm concerned. But talking about just some lone girl taking pictures of herself and getting likes and likes and likes and has no business attached to it. She's not trying to promote anything apart from herself. Um, that just screams insecurity. And what, that's what men don't understand. They don't look at that woman and go, wow, that's a really confident woman because she's got her tits out for the camera. No, that, that's then they have a they have the completely wrong strategy to talk to that girl because every guy's doing the same thing. Like you're so beautiful, you're oh, gosh. I'm so happy that you're talking to me. I'm just you know wow. This is such a privilege. Where <laughs> or they're, they're giving off that vibe, whereas the guy's just like that's a very sad person. Right now I know she's insecure. Let's bring out the, the tactics. It's interesting. I, I find that with a lot of these kind of women who guys perceive as being high status, the hardest part, the skills work exactly the same on all women. The hardest part, um, if once you kind of master them, and you can tell me whether you agree or disagree, once you got to master these skill sets, because they're really social skill sets, once you master these skill sets, the hardest part is getting in situations where you can be around the women that you find the most attractive. And that could be both either physically, emotionally, intellectually, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's that, that I find is the hardest, um, the hardest part for most men, because once you get into these situations, you find that like all women have the same kind of basic needs and on varying levels go through the same sets of anxieties. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, I, I'm talking about just micro game here, like tweaking it for certain types of women. That's what I'm talking about. But yes, there's a, there's a general rule that you use on all women, of course. There's a general structure. It's my strategy. It's my, my bedrock, which is the five-phase format. And I say, as long as you keep that in place, you can add on all the skills and techniques in, in the right order and understand them with a lot more clarity. Uh, just to go back to this subject, um, a lot of guys um, try and impress me with wealth. They try and, and, yeah. and pretend they're as successful, as wealthy as me. And actually, a woman like me who's successful, I, can, I know successful people never really think they're successful. So I'm saying I'm successful, but, you know, I always, for me, I just like endless. I can achieve more. I, can, I, I, I don't ever take time to appreciate what I do. I'm just saying it for argument's sake here. Um, they try and, like, outmatch me in terms of how successful they are. 
but actually I'm very attracted to a man who can um, demonstrate strength and emotional strength, which is something maybe I need. So a lot of guys should stop trying to emulate the woman or mirror the woman or mirror her success if they want that kind of woman and actually be quite unapologetic and, and show her, yeah, maybe I'm not as successful as you, but, you know, I'm the man that will hold you in bed at night and comfort you and I know there's a vulnerable side to your personality etc etc without actually saying that I mean this is great it makes me think of a couple of things one uh, I often say you know what great flowers uh, aren't going to make you memorable but great sex is going to make you memorable and um, <laughs> and it, it, it's I mean it's true a, a second thing that it made me think of is I have a friend of mine and uh, she's from the US but she went to uh, college in Oxford she's an actress in the United States very 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 talented mm-hmm. um, very successful and she was dating a guy for a while who um, she broke up with. And, and, and before they broke up, she, he actually asked her to marry him. And he's very, very, very wealthy. And mm-hmm. when I say that, he runs a, a major hedge fund in New York City. And she said that, she, she told the guy, she goes, you know, I don't feel like, like a, or he proposed. And she goes, no, I, I don't feel like, why would we get married? She's like, you don't understand me. I don't understand you. And he told her, he goes, you know, you know how this works. Like I um, will get married Well, you'll pop out a couple kids and then we'll split up and you will uh, like, I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. And she's like, I'm, I'm not doing that. And so um, some women would be seduced by that and, and, and probably pursue it. In her case, she's a pretty strong, very beautiful woman um, who kind of has her head together. And, and uh, as much as she, she doesn't always feel like she does, but uh, I feel like she does. So mm-hmm. she, she rejected him. Later on, about uh, three or four months later, uh, we had lunch again. And she goes, um, yeah, I got to tell you the latest update. And I'm like, what's that? And she goes, he offered me a million dollars for my eggs. <laughs> And I, and I was like, what? And she goes, he offered me a million dollars for my eggs. Like, I wouldn't marry him. He still wants children with me. So he offered me a million dollars. So I said, what did you say? And she goes, I told him no. And, uh, and desperation. Uh, for sure. And it was, and she was, try, he basically was, I mean, a society for men, we often um, teach men that, hey, you need to go out and make money, buy a nice house, get expensive cars, make a lot of money. And, and it doesn't always work. And oftentimes it doesn't work. In this case, she, one of her complaints to me was she goes, he's not a natural alpha male. Ah, uh, good. Good and, and, um, and that's And this is how it ties back to kind of what you're saying. And what she means is not the biggest, strongest guy, but she, he couldn't lead her. Right? He was trying to buy her affection, buy her love, yeah. and, it, and it wasn't working. And not only did it not work, and it was a lot of money. I'm sure there's a lot of women who would be interested if somebody offered him a million dollars to donate a couple of their ovaries um uh, a couple a couple of their eggs he was coming from a a place of neediness and um it actually is even more unsettling when it's from a guy of so much money because it's pathetic if somebody has that kind of social status is very very successful owns their own company and then has to beg a woman that can repel women that can really, really repel. I mean, there's nothing about this guy that would ever attract your friend anymore. There's nothing. You know, and a lot uh, of women would probably look at this guy and go, you're crazy, you know, he's successful, he's this. And she's seen another side to him. She's seen the weak, needy side. That's not, he hasn't shown um, unapologetic vulnerability. He's shown a weak, needy. He's coming from a, a place of neediness. And that's turned her off now completely because women are drawn to the man who, I wouldn't say emotionally strong, um, but I would say just strong, full stop. 
meaning strength in being unapologetic. Also, strength in the fact that they don't have to beg for anything. And that person who they love or who they, they're going out with, who they're dating, has absolutely no influence in their long-term happiness. This guy was so desperate to get this girl, he was going to buy her eggs, which means that he has no certainty in his long-term happiness. If he'd have just turned around and said, you know what, I love you, it would have been amazing to have you been in my life, but I'm going to be happy. I just always know I'm going to be happy no matter what. It's a shame you're not part of it. And that might have actually triggered something in her head if he'd done that, because suddenly it's like he's saying, I don't, I don't need you. I love you, but I don't need you. And the moment you're saying, I, I need you, I need you, a man saying that, or even a woman saying it, it can, it can sort of fuel a guy's ego, but there's a level of respect he starts, he starts losing for the woman. But especially women. Women just don't want that kind of man. He's got to be a man of a plan. He's got to show strength in the, um, the absolute knowledge of his future. That's, that's, I've just come up with that, actually. I've realized. I, sometimes <laughs> when I do these podcasts, I come up with an idea. It is. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not just strength. It's the strength of your goal, your plan of your future. Nothing worse than a guy who's a complete, I don't know what to do with my future. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I'm going to be able to cope. Goodbye. Game over. Spell broken if that happens. Kezia, this has been absolutely awesome. <laughs> I think I got to wrap it up. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I got to wrap it up, but hopefully I can get you to come back again because, I mean, you the stuff that you've been talking about is raw. It's been uninhibited. It's been incredible. Um, and if you're listening and you want to learn more about Kezia, her products, her coaching, her programs, we're going to post some links on the Craft Christmas website and within the description of this podcast so you can find her more easily. It's Dating Coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and kind of communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.